0: Hello, and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Death Strategy. This series helps you cut through the noise of global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. Hello, everyone. What a week of central banking we had this week. We had a slightly hawkish Fed, a hawkish Bank of England, a hike from the Norges Bank. It was only the RBA and the Ricks Bank that provide a little bit of a dovish offset, but it certainly wasn't enough to shift kind of this perception of a very hawkish week um, for the major central banks in the world. I'm going to leave the Fed to our special guest today, but touch on the Bank of England, especially because that's happening just as or this being recorded just after the results came out for the Bank of England. You recall we had last week Paul Robson, our co-head of G10FX, and he felt that today could leave the markets thinking that February was an option uh, for the bank, when it came to rate rises, again, it's not necessarily our call. We think it's a little bit later, but that the results of today could have um, you know more out, hawkish output, and that's certainly been right. Um, in addition, he was right on the fact that this could give a positive boost to sterling, you know, which is up today, and especially against the euro, which is one of our core views. Um, and that's also happening in tune with a large rise in the UK bond market and yields in the UK bond market. And what's contributed most to the reaction here is that seven members, which had voted against ending the AFP program early, they did so on the basis of, and actually I'm gonna read it, where it said, all members in this group agreed that any future initial tightening of monetary policy should be implemented by an increase in the bank rate, even if that tightening became appropriate before the end of the existing UK government bond asset purchase program. So what they're saying here is that they don't need their QE, their AFP to end before raising rates. So that opens up that timeline as far as rate hikes greatly. And that's actually in stark difference to the Fed, which we'll get to. Of course, you know, the onus of any eventual tightening in the UK is still on the data. And there were cautious comments around the labor market because, you know, there's some uncertainties around the ending the furlough scheme and what that means. But um, the result is the market does need to handicap the possibility of an earlier rate hike, even if that doesn't eventually come to pass, which means that, you know, you're going to have slightly higher rates, especially in the front end, which is what we're seeing, um, and stronger sterling because there's the potential for that to come earlier maybe than, than expected. So in my view, I think the market, correct, market reactions are correct. But going forward, the labor market data in the U.K. is going to be key here because that's where some of the uncertainties lied and some of the more, you know, dovish comments from the members. So labor market data being important is also the case in the U.S., where the Fed has set uh, the labor market as the key barometer for tapering this year. And this is here where I'm going to bring in Kevin Cummins, our chief U.S. economist. Now, Kevin, we know the labor market's important for Powell and the Fed. But he seemed to lower the bar on that regarding progress on employment and thus the threshold for tapering, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it it seems like he's really giving this advance notice that he's been talking about in the past of what it's going to take. And I think, you know, he gave three or four adjectives that really describe that it's not going to take a knockout, great, super strong employment report in September for them to potentially uh, taper in November. It sounds like you know, a a reasonably good employment report, I think was what he characterized it. And he kind of went on and he said in his own thinking, you know, the conditions on the labor market are all but met. So it it seems like the bar there for, you know, any sort of uh, September jobs report is very low. Um, You know, there's potentially some impact from Hurricane Ida and some fallout from that. Um, So, you know, maybe he's he's just kind of making sure that it's pretty clear that I think in his mind, the conditions have been met, but you know, the, the FOMC statement, the language, obviously there was a little bit more open-ended and a little bit uh, less committal than it sounded like how he himself is uh, his views are um, in the committee, you know, characterizing it as soon. So, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of probably disagreement, you know, not too long ago after the August employment report, we heard from New York fed president Williams, um, he said he wasn't there yet. So it, it does seem like, you know, it's probably evolving, um, you know, a difference of opinion among some senior key uh, officials. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, it, it's obviously pals fed. So, um, you know, I think if it's in, in his mind, you know, decent enough for employment report, then then November certainly seems like it's the base case. You know, but that's in the broader context of how things are evolving at the time with the Delta variant and and overall COVID. So, you know, it's not to say that it's a lock for November, but um, I think the odds probably favor a November taper.
0: And I have to compliment you because after that week employment report, you stuck by that November as our base case. So, um, you know, that's certainly been, been verified by Powell here. All right. So that's about taper. What about future hikes? I mean, as I discussed, the Bank of England seems open to a different kind of sequencing. Where's the Fed on this and what did the dots tell us or what did they give us any hint on the potential for, you know, future rate hikes?
1: Yeah, I I mean, in any given quarter, you know, these dots do move around a little bit. I was surprised that they did show uh, a a couple more uh, officials on the record penciling in hikes um, for 2022. Um, And we did see a little bit of movement up in 23 as well. Um, 24 wasn't that much of a surprise. They've kind of got gradual hikes uh, continuing through there, still remaining well below the long run rate. Um, So at the margin, I I do think they were a little bit more hawkish. Um, I think in general, his tone with regard to inflation did seem to be a little bit more on the hawkish side. You know, at Jackson Hole, he came out what sounded like very dovish on the outlook inflation. I mean, he made several points saying why inflation is going to come down. Um, This time around, he didn't talk all that much about transitory inflation. Um, If anything, he put a little bit more emphasis on the risk to inflation. Um, You know, he didn't bother to mention that inflation in the last two CPI reports for what it's worth have shown, you know, less strength than what uh, consensus expected. So, you know, it was a little bit more of a hawkish uh, tilt or maybe just less dovish tilt. Uh, By the chair, Um, and you know that is generally consistent with what we saw in the um, in the dot plot. But I think you know you know the the dot plot is is useful to some extent for some guidance. But I think the Fed and and Powell certainly is going to be of this mindset um, that there are no rush to tighten. You know that this isn't a direct signal uh, that they're tapering that tightening is is the next thing up. But you know I think they do want to keep as much optionality and they do probably want to get finished with the taper, um, sooner rather than later. You know, he talked about mid 2022 and I think it, you know, the conditions that met, um, for taper are very different. And I, you know, it's something that he's reiterated, uh, as far as tightening, I think tightening they're going to have to have mission accomplished relative to, uh, tapering where they're just moving in the direction of, uh, of those goals. So, uh, you know, I still, you know, it does put a little bit of risk, you know, our forecast for the first rate hike is until September 2023. Um, But, you know, at that point, um, you know, the Fed has talked about and even in their um, projections that we saw yesterday, the Fed has talked about that they're going to want to overshoot on the inflation side, they don't have much of an overshoot there, they, they did move up their dots a little bit uh, with regard to inflation. Uh, But it's still a very mild overshoot um and you know the the other part of it mandate of being um you know full employment he talked a little bit more about it of what it's going to take it sounds like it's kind of a a a mixture of data it's not necessarily going to be something that they want to see the unemployment rate uh or they'd love to see it but they're not going to probably get the unemployment rate for all these different races uh, at or through full employment by the time they hike but um i think they're going to need to work on their communication before anything um, of that sort. But I still feel pretty comfortable with it's going to be a long time coming before uh, we get rate hikes, even though the dots moved up a little bit in the near term. And and the one other thing I'd point out is next year, we are likely to get some new Fed governors, which I think will have even more dovish uh, composition next year in 22 relative to this year. So, you know, these dots, uh, come around next year when you have some more dovish governors, um, in the, in the mix, uh, could be a different scenario than what, uh, they're expecting right now.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. I totally agree with you on the rate hike side. It's just very interesting that usually central banks tend to move maybe not together, but in similar approaches, but the bank of England and the fed have quite different, um, approaches if this, you know, the UK's approach to hikes, even while their QE is going on is, um, is going to be, you know, what ends up happening. So, thanks, Kevin. Um, I will just add in closing that, like the UK, US did see some pressure on yields. Those mostly in the front end, of this flatter curve that remains our core view in um, the US. And you know, we think in the UK also we still continue to see upward pressure on yields. So, nothing really changed in our core views in those markets um, given the, this week. So that's it for this week. Next week is a lot quieter, at least on the official front. We just have some survey data out of Europe and the UK. We will be watching for any news out of China, which is worthy of its own podcast. And I didn't really touch on it this week, though it looks like that storm both rose and is now dissipating in the time between between recordings. Um, But keep an eye on developments there and have a great week. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of The Weekly Watch. Please subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and other social media channels.